Please turn to Proverbs chapter 1. We're going to be looking at ant theology. More about that in a moment. My name is Brad Evans. I'm the adult ministries pastor here at the Anderson campus. It's my privilege to serve you with our small groups, our men's ministry, marriage ministries. We're going to talk about that in a little bit, counseling and other things. And so it's a real treat to be with you uh, this morning here um, in our worship service. So as we um, look today at the Proverbs, which is our series this summer, I thought it'd be helpful to go back to the beginning of why we're doing this study and why Solomon invested in writing this letter to his son and to others throughout generations and also to us as well. We read in the first chapter of of, um, Proverbs that the Proverbs of Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Listen, my son, to your father's instruction. And do not ignore your mother's teaching. So the book of Solomon, the Proverbs, it's wisdom literature. There's maxims that are given to us about being wise, about living with and use wisdom, skillful living in the choices we make in life. And as we even see in this next verse, he who walks with the wise grows wise, but the companion of fools suffer harm. So in Proverbs, we see two paths. We see a path where we experience wisdom, we're following the Lord, we're obeying what God has asked us to do, a path of blessing, a path of fulfillment, a path of joy. And it's not a perfect one-to-one, but in general in life, this is a path that God has for us as we walk with him. And we make choices that are wise according to his word. On the other hand, there's a path that the foolish take, the naive, the literally the in Hebrew the empty-headed, not you know, um, need some instruction. And this is a path that God warns us: don't go down this road. It's a path of pain and destruction. And God desires to bless us; He desires to use us. But it's up to us to make choices. We make choices each and every day. You made a choice to be here today. Way to go. That's a choice headed down the right path. I know in the first service afterward, I met several students that just arrived, and today was their first day to be in church. And and if that's you today, way to go. Welcome to Grace. We're glad you're here. We hope that you'll find a place to get connected. And um, we, we need that, don't we? So today as we talk about this ant theology, we're going to look at the topic of work. And really the message in work is that God is calling us to be diligent. The word diligent in scripture is is like a dull knife is being sharpened for effectiveness. Diligent for for sharpened effectiveness so God can use us according to the gifts that he's given us to build up the church to reach out into the community, to build up the kingdom of God. We get to participate in that. What an honor it is that God has called us as his people along this journey. And as we consider this topic of work, there's kind of three views that 
we can have on work. In fact, I got these views from Susan and I, uh, my bride of 36 years. We're empty nesters now, two kids. We've launched them out. We love to be a part of our merge ministry. It's for um, seriously dating or engaged couples. We'll be kicking off in September here in a little bit. We, We love serving in that capacity. On week seven, we talk about, and okay, so this is a family service. I'm not going to go too deep into this, but we talk about physical intimacy. And we say that in our culture, there's kind of three views on this topic. And trust me, there's a tie-in to work here. I'm not just doing this to spice up the message a little bit, right? But in physical intimacy, we can view it as it is God. It's everything. It's all about who I am. Or secondly, we can see physical intimacy as bad. It's dirty. No, don't do this. Physical intimacy is actually a gift from God that he's given us. And in the covenant of marriage, he's saying, go for it. It's beautiful. It's wonderful to experience that. Now, trust me here. There's a tie-in because I think that we can have these same three views when it comes to work. Work we can view it and it can become little g, God to us. Now, I grew up on a farm in Missouri. Um, we call uh, ranches farms in Missouri and we actually pronounce it Missouri. So I grew up in a farm from Missouri. And as I was growing up, you can imagine that even when I was a little guy, I had chores to do. My parents gave me chores. They taught me to work. It's a wonderful thing, uh, hard work ethic. I'm thankful for that. Unfortunately, I struggle with shutting it off sometimes. And so work can become our God. And even think about how do we introduce ourselves? Hi, I'm Brad. I'm a pastor, right? We, we introduce our name and we say what we do or I'm a student or whatever. Because what we do becomes so ingrained with who we are. And if we're not careful, work can become God. What we do can become all consumed that that's who we are. And it's not necessarily a a, a bad thing, as we're going to see in a minute. Work is actually a gift. But this is one way we can uh, view work. It's God. Secondly, we can view it as bad. You know, don't do this. Um, And Solomon's going to address the lazy uh, son and, and why we don't want to go down this path. A couple of years ago, we were um, working on our farm in Missouri, and my son was with me, and we were sh- I was shredding a pasture. I was on a tractor. My son was, uh, was riding in the cab, and one of our main crops in Missouri is rocks. We, we're really good at growing rocks. And so we, along the edge of this creek, there was a nice outcropping of several rocks. I said, Andrew hey, let me show you how to do this. So we got down, uh, throw them in the creek, the big ones, roll them in the creek. You're going to do great. I'm going to get back on the tractor. I'll come around and see how you're doing. So I made one round, may have been 10 minutes. Okay, so he's out there in the hot. I'm in the air-conditioned cab, and he stomps up to me, and he's mad. He gets in the tractor, and he said, Dad, why do you hate me? Why do you hate me? I'm like, what? you making me do, you know. And I said, well, actually, son, I asked my dad the same question when he had me picking up rocks, right? Because that's how it can feel. But And then, parents, don't we love to say this? Someday, you're going to thank me. 
for teaching you how to work, and this is going to help you be the man that got right. We, we, we say that. But there's some truth to that. But if we're not careful, we can see work as God or work as bad. But work is actually a gift. It's a gift from God. And he has given us gifts and abilities, and he's entrusted responsibilities for us, and he wants us to be good stewards of what he's entrusted us to do. To understand this, let's go all the way back to Genesis in the beginning. And by the seventh day, God completed his work, which he'd done, and he rested on the seventh day. So here we see a rhythm of work and rest. Even God worked and rested. More about uh, the rhythm of this in a little bit. Then the Lord God took the man, he took Adam, put him in the Garden of Eden, to cultivate it and keep it. He's like, Adam, here's your job description. Look at this beautiful, lush garden. It's your job to cultivate it and keep it. A little bit later, he's going to name the animals, and God's going to bring Eve to him, and we're going to see marriage, the first, first marriage. But from this, we realize, and this is before the fall, this is before sin entered the world, we see God working, we see Adam working, and when we see it from this perspective, work can be a wonderful thing that's so fulfilling. And God can use our gifts to build up the church, to reach our community, to build up the kingdom of God. And so hopefully this morning we'll see um, from God's word the importance and value of serving God and doing the work that he's called us to do. I think one of the best expressions of this comes from Tim Keller. He great. He's a great uh, pastor, writer. He passed away this past May. Tim Keller writes in Every Good Endeavor, in the beginning, then, God worked. Work was not a necessary evil that came into the picture later or something human beings were created to do, but that was beneath the great God himself. No, God worked for the sheer joy of it. Work could not have had a more exalted inauguration. So as we see from the beginning, uh, work is something that can be a gift and hopefully we can view it more in that, in that realm. And so as we get to our passage today, this is in Proverbs 6, we're going to look at um, the characteristics of an ant and how an ant is demonstrating some qualities that we can learn from. Now, as we look at this ant, because it's actually an imperative, he's writing to his son or maybe even took his son and say, hey, let's bend down, let's, let's look at this ant. I'm just curious, how many of you out there have a positive view on ants. I mean, when I talk about an ant, you just have the warm fuzzies. You think, oh man, this is, there's not many of you, are there? My work's cut out for me here as we think about an ant. Well, let's see what Solomon says. He's saying, humble yourself, son, get down on your hands and knees, and let's look at this creature that God has made. Go to the ant, you lazy one. It's actually, your Bibles may say sluggard. It's like, okay, Solomon, get right to it there. Go to the ant, you sluggard, observe its ways, and be wise. Which, he's talking about the ant, having no chief, officer, or ruler, 
prepares its food in the summer, gathers its provision in the harvest, how long, talking to his son, how long, son, will you lie down, you lazy one? When will you arise from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. Then your poverty will come in like a drifter and your need like an armed man. So he's telling Solomon, let's, let's, let's bend down, let's, let's check out these ants, and let's, let's learn from them, as we can from all of God's creation. There's things we can learn from them. And by the way, they couldn't have been fire ants, right? <laughs> Hopefully, no. They were prob- probably harvester ants, many think. Have any of you had an ant farm? You've bought this little science project for your kids. Some of you have. Um, when our kids were younger... Uh, my wife bought this science experiment and I'm like, what, what is this? But it was actually pretty cool. So we unboxed it and you can do soil, but in our particular one, it was like in this picture, there was this gel so you could see them a little bit better. And so the ants were in this uh, tube and, you know, we're real careful to put the ants in there. We didn't, <laughs> don't tell mom that got out, right? And so we got the ants in there and we're, we're kind of watching them and it's like, okay, what are they going to do? And they were kind of exploring around and so it was bedtime and we got up the next morning and it's like, hey kid, look, oh my gosh, they've made all these tunnels and it was really cool to watch them and watch how they coordinated together. And so, okay, you ready for a few ant facts? Here we go. Did you know that an ant can lift 100 times its weight? 100 times. And so if you factor that in to an average human being, that means that we could lift 10 tons 10 tons, that's two cars. It's like, yeah, I got a Toyota and I got a Honda here. Look at this. That's some pretty heavy-duty strength. Another thing about the ants is how do they communicate? In fact, there's an article in the paper yesterday about this. And so imagine you're on a picnic and, you know, you spread out your, your tablecloth or, or quilt or whatever and you got your picnic back basket and you set it down and oh but before we're going to eat let's let's go let's go fishing see if we well you know there's these little scout ants that are going around and they're they climb in that picnic basket and they're going oh turkey sandwich woohoo so what do they do they get on their cell phone and go hey guys jackpot come on no the ant goes booking back to its ant hill and along the way he meets somebody else and through this process they have they exude pheromones and they're chemicals and so these pheromones he's telling the other ant he's going oh my gosh let's hurry let's go get the rest of them and pretty soon here's a whole army of them coming you know you've seen that a whole highway and if you wait long enough your turkey sandwich is going to be in the anthill you know what i mean i mean they're amazing you leave a crumb out on your counter and then there's ants in there, and you're like, oh, man, they are amazing in how they communicate, how they um, use teamwork to accomplish the task of feeding the entire anthill. And another fact is the queen ant, there's only one usually in an anthill, she lives for seven years on average, but these worker ants, only four to six weeks. So they better get their work done in a hurry, all right? They only have four to six weeks. Big idea we're trying to get to today is that wisdom is following the example of a diligent and hardworking ant. 
in contrast to the foolishness of a lazy person. So we want to go down this path with wisdom of being diligent in what God has called us to do instead of the path of the lazy person that's not going to fulfill what God's called them to. So lazy one, what does that mean? Well, again, in your Bible, it may be translated sluggard. It occurs 14 times in our Bible. All of them are found in the book of Proverbs. A sluggard's favorite phrase is hidden in the Bible. It's just something I thought about is, I'll do it tomorrow, right? Come on, let's pick up rocks or whatever. Let's do the dishes. I'll do it tomorrow. They procrastinate. They blame can make excuses. And you know what? There's a little bit of sluggard in all of us. Isn't that true? We've all got a fallen sin nature. And we can relate to some of this. All of us can some of the time. So there are so many verses in Proverbs on the topic of work, diligence, laziness, the consequences. So I encourage you, do, do a study, do a search. There are so many. We're just going to look at a few of them here. From Proverbs 26, as the door turns on its hinges, so does a lazy one on his bed. You know, he's just rolling back and forth. A lazy one is wiser in his own eyes, because he knows it all, right, than seven people who can give a careful answer. The lazy one does not plow after the autumn, so he begs during the harvest and has nothing. So in the season, when he should be working the ground and planting the seed, then he doesn't have, if he doesn't do that, then he doesn't have anything to harvest. And so he's begging for food for the ones that have it. Here's another one. The lazy one says, there's a lion outside. I'll be killed in the streets. Well, if you look this up, yes, they had lions in this day, but they weren't in the streets. He's just making an excuse, you know? He's just saying, oh, like we would say, oh, there's a semi out there. It's going to run me over if I get out of bed, you know? So let's talk about some ant characteristics. What are they like? Well, first of all, they are internally motivated. And we saw this in the passage we just read, where Solomon says, go to the ant, which having no chief officer or ruler They can communicate with one another. They prepare its food in the summer, again, using pheromones. And so hopefully this is something that we can be. We can be also internally motivated. The moment we place our faith in Jesus Christ, our sins are forgiven. The Holy Spirit comes and indwells us, and God gives us gifts, spiritual gifts, abilities through the power of the Spirit that we can use, again, to build up the church, to build up the kingdom of God. He has a purpose for each and every one of us, regardless, and maybe maybe your work is in school. Um, Be diligent in your studies. Uh, Maybe it's raising children. Be diligent, right? There's no higher calling. I'm seeing... Hannah here in your little, then being a mom or a dad, be diligent um, in, in uh, serving in that capacity or whatever God has called us to do. If you're listening online, whatever God has called you to do. Mom, I don't know if you're watching from Kansas City, but I thank God for you. We had to, God, 
um, had mom graduate to assisted living, and um, sometimes she's wondered on, do I have a purpose in life? And so I wrote up on her bulletin board so she sees it every day. Her purpose is to go and make disciples of all nations, right? And she shares Jesus' love with everybody she comes across. And so, Mom, I'm thankful for you. She's a good steward of the gifts that God has given her. We see in Colossians, Paul wants us to know as he's writing a circular letter, whatever you do, do your work heartily as for the Lord and not for people. Any of you struggle with being people pleasers? I do, right? We want people to notice, want people to see, you know, hey, honey, look at the yard I just mowed. You know, we drop little hints so people will notice. And yeah, I get it. But it's very freeing to understand that really we only serve one. We serve the Lord. And yes, we're to submit to um, earthly authorities. But we're to do our work full in with spirit-filled heartily as for the Lord and not for people. Another characteristic, besides being internally motivated, the ant plans ahead. The ant has instincts to do that, and with wisdom, we can plan ahead as well. Proverbs 16, commit your works to the Lord and your plans will be established. So that we go before the Lord and we're seeking his will for God, what is the path you'd have me walk on in, in life? Or what, what do you have me, uh, I, I want to give this day to you so that today I'll be open to the leading of your spirit and I can follow you with, with wisdom. Commit your works to the Lord, your plans will be established. And I told you the ant was really strong, but he's probably comparing it to us, you know. We can just look down. They don't look very strong. The ants are not strong people, but they prepare their food in the summer. They plan ahead. There's diligence in looking ahead. So the ant is internally motivated. The ant plans ahead, and the ant is a diligent worker, hard worker. Proverbs 22, do you see a person skilled in their work? Well, other people notice that. Again, we're not to be people pleasers. But if we're found faithful and we're working hard, sometimes we might get a promotion or an advancement. Like it says here, they will stand before kings and not before obscure people. Doing our work heartily unto the Lord. From Proverbs, prepare your work outside and make it ready for yourself in the field and then afterward build your house. So do your work and then build your house. There's a sequence there. So I was just wondering, what are some of the different ways people work in the, in the Bible? What are some of the different occupations? There's a lot of them. I just picked a few here. We have Joseph, the Egyptian CEO. He would, they noticed his abilities, and he was second in command in the nation of Egypt. King David, the sheep herder, sheep herder uh, or Rachel, the shepherdess. We have Boaz, the grain farmer. This next one's fun to say. Amos, the fig picker. I'm a fig picker. Um, Jesus Christ, he's a carpenter. Isn't that cool? Can you imagine? God made this chair, right? 
Maybe it's still there. I don't know. The disciples, most of them were fishermen or even a tax collector. Cornelius was a soldier. Lydia made purple fabric. And Paul was a tent maker. A variety of occupations. As we look around this room, my goodness, you're an amazing group in terms of your giftedness, your occupations. I mean, I could speak on any topic up here, and there's going to be somebody probably in this room that knows more than I do about it. It's amazing to see how God assembles such uh, talent and abilities um, in our church. So these are occupations. Uh, We have an opportunity to serve God, to be a good steward of what he's entrusted to us. But what if we work really hard and nothing happens? Or what if we work really hard and even worse, because I've seen this happen. I've seen uh, drought take out a crop. Last summer, our, our corn didn't make. We had to chop it up for silage for the cows. I've seen crops washed away with a flood. Or maybe you've lost your job or something has happened that's really discouraging. Maybe there's health issues. Um, Or if we're working hard and, again, no one notices, we can get discouraged or we can even become depressed. And I'll tell you, I've experienced all of these in my life. almost six and a half decades of life. And I've learned that when these times come and even during the really difficult times, like we've lost a child and we've had some, like I mentioned, some, some losses uh, financially. I think it, God is aware. God knows. He's working. He's moving. I think for me, there's a few verses here There are my go-to verses. Come to me, all who are weary and burdened. And Christ is, maybe he's standing there with open arms, and he's saying this in contrast to the law, what the Pharisees were teaching. Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is comfortable and my burden is is light. So Jesus is saying, come to me regardless of where we are in life, what we do, who we are, what we, road we've traveled. Today can be a fresh start to come to Jesus. If you've never met him, enter into it. Say, say yes to him and enter into a relationship with him. And for those of us who know Jesus, let's come to him as our source of life And let's draw from him and allow him to to use us, right? To give us rest. We need that rest. We need the rhythm of of working and then rest so that we can be restored and renewed. Another place that um, really encourages me that I like to go to is in John 15. Jesus said, I am the vine, you are the branches. It's those of us who have a relationship with him. The one who remains or abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do what? Nothing. Apart from Jesus working in our life, we can do 
nothing. So we go to Jesus as the source. He's saying, come to me. And today, if you're here and you're feeling that heavy load of the world or whatever struggle has you down, Jesus is inviting you, as Corby did in, in, in our time of worship, inviting all of us to, to come to him with soft and teachable hearts so we can learn from him and lay our burdens at his feet. Ephesians 2.10, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in him. This comes right after these verses that many of us know, Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, for by grace you've been saved through faith. It's not of yourselves. It's a gift of God, not as a result of works. Or many would boast, we'd be proud about that. Coming to God and experiencing the goodness of his grace But God didn't want to stop there. He wants us to know that those of us who have a relationship with Jesus and all of mankind, everyone, is God's workmanship. God is the creator. He's the one with divine purpose has shaped us into the image that he has designed There's no mistake. None of us are mistakes. We're his workmanship. Poema is literally work of art. He has sculpted us into who we are, and he has gifted us with a personality and gifts and abilities, something that's very unique that only we can do. We're his workmanship. And think about this. We're created in Christ Jesus for good works, which he prepared, he prepared even before the beginning of time so that we would do them, we would walk in them, we would use the gifts and abilities that he has blessed us to have. Seminary professor of mine, Howard Hendricks, uh, several years ago was talking about this verse and talking about who we are and understanding our giftedness and understanding what we're called to do And I I remember with a bony finger, he's saying, you're his workmanship, and only you can do what he's called you to do. Are you doing it? Are you doing the good work that he's called you to do? And we're kind of like, yes, sir. But that's true. Only you can do, only I can do what God has created me to do. No one else can do that. And so he desires for us to know what our, ability, what our gifts are so that we can utilize those and serve him. And there's no greater fulfillment than when we're serving the Lord and we're experiencing the fullness of God using us according to his plan. But often we forget, don't we? We forget who we are. We're free, we forget that his, we're his workmanship. Paul Tripp says, identity, amnesia, can display various symptoms, but it simply means we are prone to look for our sense of meaning and purpose in all the wrong places. If you're going to live the fullest life that God's grace can enable you to live, you need to constantly tell yourself who you are, whose you are, and where you're going, and you need to invite others to do the same. Isn't that good? We all need to be reminded of who we are, whose we are, 
and where we're going. Because God has called us, has a plan for us to be a part of building up his kingdom, building up the church of God. And so wisdom is following the example of a diligent and hardworking ant in contrast to the foolishness of a lazy person. To illustrate some of the things we've been talking about uh, and talking about serving and using our gifts, I've asked Jerry and Val Ruiz to come up. So if you guys would grab your mic and come on up here. I'm going to ask them uh, a few questions and uh, we're going to get to know the Ruiz family a little bit. Y'all come on over here to the center of the stage. And so um, would you just introduce yourselves? Go ahead. I'm Jerry. I am a high school teacher. Yes, and I am Valerie Reese, and I'm a third grade teacher. All right. We've been married for six years, and we both teach in Bryan. Yeah, two teachers serving God. Yeah. And these are, many of the parents are going, God bless you. Thank you for teaching um, the children, our children. So um, I'm just wondering, so you came to Grace right after you're married. You've been here six years. What are some of the things that you have done to grow um, in your faith, grow in your marriage? What are some of the things? Yeah, we, you know, we early on joined a foundation group. So that was our first years of marriage. And we also have been a part of marriage builders. We've done Bible study. We've done a marriage Bible study and also individual men and women's. And we also did re-engage last fall. Yeah. And so we really want to um, just take a moment and emphasize this uh, ministry called Reengage. Uh, we've got a QR code. You can, you know what to do. You can look on your camera. It'll take you to our website. And we're kicking off Reengage, our open group, in 10 days. 10 days. Um, and so every married couple needs to take Reengage at some point. It will bless you. It, 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 it's incredible. You'll be in a small group. And yeah, so what are, what are the, some of the things specifically you learned about Reengage? Yeah, uh, so you, like you said, it you know, starts really soon. It's a 16 day commitment. It was just great. 16 week, my bad. 16 week commitment. Uh, it's just great just to... Um, what if I told you we've shortened that oh, two shortened. weeks? Yes. <laughs> Not 14 weeks now. 14 weeks now. Uh -huh. That's awesome. Yeah, so it's even, you know, it's just a, a great, you know, community. You know, you, you're just able to um, just, you know, just share your, you know, your life. We, at the moment, we were, at that time, we were going through like a season of transition. Yeah. And it was just great to, you know, share that with, with the other married couples. And then um, also just your groups, you're placed in a really awesome, like awesome group of other married couples. And um, they're just questions that you might have gone through, um, through, uh, what is it called? Like even through merge and, but they're questions that come up again, but it's what's really cool. And what was really cool for me is that even though we've talked about these questions, um, all these six years, you're just in a different season, and not only are you just speaking for yourself, but you get to hear the other couple's experience um, in life, yeah. Yeah, awesome. So we encourage you to go on the website, sign up, the open group, you can just test the waters, that's in 10 days. And so, and then this past spring, after being uh, poured into through Reengage, you felt like you were ready 
to give, to pour out to some others. And so you started serving in Merge. And so other than Brad asked you to, why did you step into serving at Merge? Um, yeah, I mean, we, we had been, you know, uh, praying about it. You know, we had just been a part of so many great communities here at Grace that we were excited just to, you know, give back. And uh, we prayed about it. You know, we were, we were wondering, like, what age should we do? You know, she does elementary, I do high school. Uh, so it was kind of like, let's do middle school or college, you know. Middle school teachers deserve to go to heaven first. So we're like, <laughs> um, so we're like, you know what, let's do college. And so, yeah, so we prayed about it. And, you know, it was great. There was an opening, you know, they needed to merge facilitators. And so it was like kind of a, a you know, right time, right moment. Yeah. And, um, yeah, so, and we, we had, you know, doing reengage that fall, we just felt like, you know, God had led us and prepared us, you know, to start merge that yeah. spring. Well, what, so what are the, as you stepped into serving, what are some things you learned? Yeah, well, in Merge, um, I'm sorry, yes, and um, re-engage, our group was just very honest and vulnerable with each other. So how, how Jerry said, we just felt equipped and God just really opened that door for us. And um, he just also allowed us to also bring that honesty about our marriage and that um, being vulnerable with our with our group in Merge. Yeah. yeah. And uh, for me, what I really got out of it, you know, just, um, you know, being high school teachers, we make that excuse. We don't have time. Or, you know, being teachers, you know, we don't have time. You know, outside of work, we're tired. Um, and like you said, you know, we, God poured into us so much during Reengage that he just gave us that energy to, like, give back to others. And, you know, it was just, it, 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 it was a busy time, but it was just, like, so energizing. It was just a great busy time for us. Yeah. Uh, when we were doing merge. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So you did re-engage, and I remember um, y'all talking about as you stepped into serving that God continued to grow yeah. you even more, and you fell in love even deeper, right? <laughs> is that true? It is very true. Yeah? Um, it was just really cool to be reminded of our roles as a married couple, and also just the way I was drawn closer to Jerry and to see him leading others just was a different side that I was just in such awe that I'm like, wow, the Lord is really working through my husband. And that just really motivated me to also be, um, you know, the, ver the like a better version of myself and a better wife to him. And yeah, yeah it was just a, such a sweet time, I think. And Beautiful. I mean, it just really encourages us to continue serving with with Merge. Okay. And excited. And yeah, no, okay, one thing you know is, you know, sometimes, I mean, personally, I was just like, I'm just not ready to be a leader. Uh, but that's not true. You know, you, we, we have gone through so much. Everyone here has gone through so much that, you know, if you just take the time to, to give back to the younger generations, like, you'll see you have a lot to offer. Yeah. And hey, let's give it up for Jerry and Val. <laughs> have a seat. Today, we'd really like for everybody to consider what your next step might be. And if you're wondering about um, who Grace is, what are we about, we have a membership class next Sunday. We encourage you to go on our website and under events, you can register for membership. We'd love to have you. It's in the fireside room uh, next Sunday. So, uh, come and join us. We'll be talking a little bit about our doctrine and leadership and uh, our purpose, which is to help people find and follow Jesus. I've already talked about re-engage. It starts in 10 days. 
we have discover your design. You may be going, well, I don't know what my gifts are. You can take this spiritual gift survey. It's online. But we're going to have a class on September 3rd, Discover Your Design, where we are going to help you better learn about how God has made you, your design, and how he wants to use you to serve. And there are many, many other ways to serve here at Grace. Um, our our uh, children's ministry, we need volunteers, uh, connect team. Uh, there's many uh, areas, many ways that you can serve. So please just um, consider that. We're going to wrap up now with a, let me close in prayer. Father God, thank you for the, today. Thank you for your goodness to us. And who would have thought that you've created an ant that we can learn from about being diligent, about how you want us to Watch and, and learn and to plan ahead to be good stewards of the gifts that you've given us. And so church family, what I'm going to ask us all to do right now is just to take a moment and ask God to search our hearts. Ask God to lay on, give, give some direction to you with maybe one of these next steps. Or maybe it's to do something for your neighbor or where you live, but what is the next step that God is asking you to do? Would you just, in the quietness of your heart, ask him to speak to you? And Lord, we love you, and we really thank you for today. Thank you for each person that's here, their unique design, and I do pray that all of us would just fall on our knees to, in, in worship to thank you for who we are and the opportunity we have to use the gifts that you've blessed us with. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.